Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, and more importantly, welcome back, Giants fans, to another episode of the Say Hey Podcast, the podcast that is home to all things Giants baseball. Folks, before we dive into today's show, I would like to take a moment to let you know that you can find the Say Hey Podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you like what you're hearing, then don't be afraid to subscribe. And if you really like the show, then make sure to leave a review. But most importantly, make sure to spread the word. With that being said, let's dive right in. Alright, what is going on Giants fans? Welcome back everybody to the Say Hey Podcast, episode 38. I'm your host today, James Donahue, as I am for every show. And folks, of course, like always, we've got a great show for you today. But first, let's just acknowledge and get this out of the way that Giants baseball is officially back. No, it's not opening day, but it felt like opening day on Sunday when the first game of spring training happened. I know, crazy stuff. And although Sunday's game or Monday's game, weren't the most exciting in terms of action, there were still plenty of highlights to talk about. And of course, I'll definitely be sure to go over all those highlights in order to keep you as informed and up-to-date as possible. But more importantly, the reason why today's show is so exciting is because we have a guest. Yes, another guest is coming on the Say Hey podcast by the name of Dalton Johnson, who is another writer from NBC Sports Bay Area. And along with covering the Giants, Dalton also covers pretty much all Bay Area sports. So be sure to not only give him a follow on Twitter, but also be sure to follow all of his work that comes out on NBCSportsBayArea.com. Alright, so without further ado, let's go ahead and get into the news and notes from around our team segment. So the first bit of news, and probably the most important to address here, is that Buster Posey got the first official hit of the spring. Of course he did. Sunday's game against the Angels started a bit slow for both teams, and the first hit for the Giants didn't come until the third inning, and it was a hard line drive to right center by who else? Buster Posey. I'm not going to lie, Posey looked pretty fresh in the squad. Something else that I noticed is that during a hit and run play by the Angels, Posey threw out the runner that was going to second by an absolute mile, but of course, the batter walked, so it didn't count. But... The fact that Posey was still able to throw out the base runner by a mile definitely stuck out to me, and it seems as though Posey will have no problem, of course, coming back to playing baseball. Something else I want to make sure to highlight is that during Monday's game, Tommy LaStella led off that game with an eight-pitch walk. And of course, what happened after that? Well, Mike Yastrzemski got a hit. And I definitely wouldn't be surprised if we see those two names in the front of the order for the majority of the 2021 season. Gabe Kapler came out already saying that he really likes those two. And I'm talking about Tommy LaStella and Mikey Stremski. He really likes those two within the first three slots at the, ba- at the batting order. Excuse me. And this is largely due to how much of a problem they can be to opposing pitchers. Tommy LaStella, along with not striking out has insane plate discipline. So when you're an opposing pitcher and that's the first batter you have to face, things usually don't go too well for you when Mike Yastrzemski is the batter that follows. So again, along with those two names, 
I also expect to see Alex Dickerson and Brandon Bell also be featured at the front of the lineup somehow, considering how much of a problem Belt and Dickerson both were from the left side of the plate during the 2020 season. During Monday's game, Joey Bart was able to get two hits, but other than that, that's pretty much all the highlights that stand out offensively. Now, when it comes to pitching, during Sunday's game, James Scherfe, Sam Wolf, and Sam Long combined for three innings pitched, only gave up one hit, Zero earned runs, zero walks, and five combined strikeouts. Now, James Scherfee definitely does stand out to me, but another name that's quickly catching everyone's eye, and it's actually another name that Dalton and I are going to talk about in the interview, is Sam Long. Sunday, he was topping out at 97 miles per hour, but he also has a devastating curveball. Like I said, Dalton and I are going to cover it in the interview, but all I'll say right now is that Sam Long is a name that we all need to start remembering. Alright everybody, that is going to be all for the news and notes from around our team segment. Don't worry, I'm going to be keeping you updated on more stuff as more games happen. But Sunday went 7 innings, wasn't too exciting. And Monday the game wasn't even televised because that game went 6 innings. So, definitely a slow start to spring training, but I have no doubt that things are going to be picking up once more games happen. Alright, folks, the moment you've all been waiting for. Sit back and relax as Dalton Johnson and I talk about some Giants baseball. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Say Hey Podcast. I'm your host today, James Donahue, as I am for every show, so hopefully that's not a deal breaker for you. Folks, today we have a great guest for us on the show today, and that's Mr. Dalton John Johnson, excuse me, who's a, a writer for NBC Sports Bay Area. Dalton, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. All right, so let's go ahead and get – well, actually, before we do that, Dalton, do you cover just the Giants or do you cover multiple Bay, Bay Area sports teams? Oh, a little bit of everything for NBC. You know, I mean, I'll still write stories about the Niners, the Warriors, the A's, et cetera. Um, I would say uh, my, 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 more of my focus is kind of being Alice Pavlich as number two for the Giants and really kind of uh, being our lead when it comes to prospects and the minor league stuff as well, so – a little bit of everything, but definitely excited that uh, spring training's here. And it feels crazy that, that baseball's already here, though. You know, I, I feel right. like in the last year or so, time is just, like, not even a thing anymore. So the fact that baseball here is here kind of snuck up on us. But definitely happy that uh, the season's already almost here. No, for sure. It definitely still feels like I just watched the last out of the World Series when Julio exactly. Urias threw that pitch. Uh, but, yeah, no, it's crazy. But also something that's also crazy is how much the Giants changed in just one offseason, in my opinion. I'm not sure if you feel the same way. Um, but starting, just getting right into it, what are your first initial thoughts about training camp? Like, what are some things that you've heard or some things that, like, really excite you, like some stories or things that you've seen or heard? Yeah, I think, like you said, though, it's just kind of the, the new faces, right? You know, even early on when it felt like a quote-unquote – slow off season the Giants were making more moves than a lot of other teams and, and more moves than it felt like they just weren't the Trevor Bowers they they, they right. weren't you know trading for Francisco Lindor things like that you know but Farhan Zaidi stayed busy the whole offseason whether whether it was uh starting off getting Jason Bossler you know a very kind of Farhan type of move uh a Lamont Wade Jr again a very Farhan type of move but he was always kind of chipping away and then uh, got the the bigger pitchers, the some some bullpen pieces, um, the Di Scalfani's of the world, stuff like that, where 
it was a lot of depth moves, but a lot of moves that really made sense for the Giants. So like sure. you said, it is definitely a different team. Um, I, I think that you're still going to see the same big names that are going to lead them for sure, uh, whether it be the Estremskis, the Crawfords, the Bellets, et cetera. But this is definitely a different team than last year, which is which is exciting in, in, in my eyes. You know, it's a team that just missed this weird expanded playoff season. So right. they're obviously putting their foot a little bit on the gas and doing what they can to uh, compete with what's going to be a tough season, 162-game season, and what is not a cakewalk of a division by any means. Right, obviously, with the biggest acquisitions, arguably – throughout this entire offseason being made by the two best teams in baseball, but also the two best teams in the Giants division, unfortunately, the Dodgers and the Padres. But I think you bring up a good point where it's, you know, it's not the flashiest moves, but it was still very, very consistent and very active. But then after everything is done and looking at the Giants, you know, all those little moves have added up, in my opinion. You know, you mentioned Jessica Fani, Alex Wood, and now Aaron Sanchez, which, in my opinion, um, that's a very, very underrated, but also very exciting move. What do you feel about Aaron Sanchez's ceiling? Because you also tweeted out um, or retweeted a video of Sanchez topping out at like 95, 98 miles yeah. per hour. If that's something that can remain consistent throughout the entire season, I think, I, at least me personally, he could be very, very lethal. Oh, yeah. And I mean, it's once Farhan was talking about him, it's clear that they've had his eyes on him for a while, ever since kind of going through his rehab. Obviously, he missed last season with uh, shoulder surgery and everything. But when you look at this guy who is still just a big right hander that looks like an, a, a great athlete off, off the hill and, and he's kind of sitting at 95 to 98, why not take a chance on that? And, and right. that's what a lot of these moves are with the giants that they make a lot of moves that it's like, well, yeah, why, why wouldn't we make that, you know, that leap, that, that leap of faith kind of, you know, that, that risk, that gamble that people might say, you know, they're not signing an Aaron Sanchez to a four year, $80 million deal. They're not going to do that, but they're going to say, this is a formal former top arm that still has high end stuff that's that can still throw mid to upper nineties. Why wouldn't we go for that? So I love that, that kind of point of view, especially when you know that, look, I mean, on paper, should they be a World Series contending team? Probably not, but they're good. But they have, like we've, like we've already said, a lot of smart pieces. And you go out and you make those, those kind of gambles. You make those kind of calculated risks. So I really like the, uh, the, Aaron, the Aaron Sanchez signing. You know, it's just another depth move. We saw that when Zaidi kind of was the head uh, of the Dodgers, there was always so much depth there and it was right. always so much pitching depth, you know? So that's what they've done uh, this off season is, uh, and that's something that's really going to be interesting to me is going from a 60 game season to 162 game season. What does that mean for pitchers who weren't stretched out for a whole season? What does that mean for an Aaron Sanchez who had a year off is that, you know, that might be a little bit of an advantage for him, all these other things, you know, to, so to see how they use all their starting rotation options is something that I'm really interested in. Yeah, me as well. And like, speaking of this past week and a half, the Giants have been super busy with like adding even like quieter signings like Yoon Yamaguchi. You know, I had no idea that he was on the Giants radar. And I think they just exactly. signed another relief pitcher um jeremy jeremy wright i think from the braves he was a former prospect um but also they also signed a very well-seasoned veteran 37 year old scott casimir 
Um, that was especially surprising to me, but you know, it didn't really seem surprising to you because it seemed like you had your eye on Scott Casimir to be an option for the Giants before this even happened. Can you kind of talk about why that is? It's to be completely honest with you, it was it kind of first manifested at one of those one of those things where you're just kind of scrolling on Twitter yeah. late at night. You're, you're finding random things. You're you're searching for random people. And you know, if you're if you're a baseball guy, random names pop in your head. And I, and I think I honestly kind of just searched his name on Twitter. And it was before they had Alex Wood. It was really when they were when they had like no lefties. And I was like, what is this, like this guy up to? And it just right. it just popped up that all of a sudden he was throwing a bullpen. And I think that this is at the beginning of the month, like February first or second, something like that. And I'm and I was one of those, wait, what? Like this guy's still around. He kind of had longer hair and all the stuff. And you know, they they had his um his different velocities up there. It was a really cool camera angle where you can kind of see the movement and everything. Right. And it was kind of just putting two and two together. Hey, a Farhan connection here. Let, let me go on his baseball reference page for a little bit. Um, you know, no lefties. So it just, it was one of those, can it be another reclamation project that, that Farhan right. would do? And at the time, it just seemed so out of pocket and, uh, that I was like, all right, I'm not actually going to write about this. Um, I'll tweet about it that, that, hey, I'm, you know, spring training is coming up. I can't believe I'm actually looking at Scott Kazmir, <laughs> like bullpens right now. And so and behold, I mean, they went out and they got him. And again, it's just one of those things where, you know, this kind of front office is just very innovative. Um, they're kind of always they had their eyes all over the places, whether it be a Scott Casimir or, or, an Aaron, or an Aaron Sanchez. I mean, Casimir hasn't pitched in the big leagues, I don't think, since 2016. Yeah, um, I was, you know, I was looking at the last time that he faced the Giants. And that was in 2016 when he was pitching for the Dodgers. And just that lineup, I mean, I think it's Denard Span and all these other guys. You're like, oh, my God. Like, there's so many throwback names just looking at this this box score right now. So, look, I mean, again, I, I think personally, in most cases, there's no bad minor league deal. And, you know, it's, it, it goes back to what we've said about the other moves. They're not putting themselves themselves in a hole here. Right. You know I mean? Right. It's nothing to go out and, and go get Scott Casimir when it comes to, when it comes to money and everything, especially on a minor league deal. So someone that had, that, that is a seasoned veteran, someone that is a lefty, uh, which they, they have been lacking, whether it be starting rotation or out of the bullpen, may, make a move for that, man, make a risk. And they're not scared to go out and go do that. And let, let's see what you got. And maybe it means start starting out in triple a and Sacramento and, work your way up here. But again, it's, you know, if you're, if you're not going to risk it, sometimes you're not going to get the reward. And that that's another kind of classic Farhan move that, that he's had the last few years is, is going out, identifying players that could be what, we're, what, what we call reclamation projects and turning them, turning their careers back together. So I, I hope it works out for Scott Casimir. No, I, I do too, but I, you know, th- this has definitely been the most entertaining signing just because it's like, whoa, yeah. I didn't even know this guy was still trying to make a comeback into, into baseball. Uh, but it also taught me that like literally no one is off the table for the giants yes, and, Farhan exactly, and, yeah. and the front office, literally no one. And it looks like they're so confident oh. in the, the tools that they have to develop, you know, these veterans, we saw this obviously with Gosman and smiley. Um, but it, it was just like, I was like, whoa, this is crazy. <laughs> um, but also, like, it seems like they're getting everyone and anyone besides Jake Odorizzi. 
And yeah, and, and he was someone that we felt like, whether it be from the bigger writers around the country or whatever, that that was kind of linked to the Giants. And it felt like a very Giants move for sure. So it's someone that I thought a month ago, I, I, you know, maybe even more that, you know, could easily be a Giant. I was surprised that they weren't more more in on that, to be honest with you. No, me too. And I think I was going to ask you, do, do you think he, the Giants might still be in the mix for Odorizzi? I think the only reason why I think it would be beneficial for the Giants is because, you know, it looks like the Giants know what to do. It looks like they know how to develop these veteran pitchers. But the only downside is that the following year, they're going to be demanding more money because of how well they performed. Um, and I think that's the only downside of one-year contracts. You know, we saw that in Drew Smiley where he, you know, so I think it, his initial contract with the Giants was like $6 million, And then the next year with the Braves, it's $11 million. Um, Obviously, you know, Kevin Gosman, I think, was $9 million and he got the qualifying offer. I think there's something beneficial to try to sign. Let's just say Jake Odorizzi seeking a three-year deal, maybe around an average annual um, salary of like anywhere from 13 to 15. I feel like that would be could be beneficial if you have at least one guy in your starting rotation, just so you can have some level of control. Um, but at this point, you know, I really don't know if he's even on the radar with the Giants. Well, starting off with as far as kind of on the radar or anything, I, I think that you're right as far as nobody's off limits right now. And it, and it goes back to kind of what I said about depth and everything. And that right. Farhan's not not afraid to have, you know, as much depth as, as you can have, um, you know, to, to have as many pieces as you, as you can do. And it and it might bump someone like a Logan Webb to AAA, which is okay. He's super young still. And, and, and that there's nothing wrong with that. And, and especially right. with somebody like Webb, if, if you have options, they're, they're, they're going to use that. They're going to look out. They're, they're going to go get a veteran, whether it be an Odorizzi or somebody else. So in that case, I don't think anyone's off limits like you, like you alluded to. As far as the difference between a one-year deal and a three and kind of like, you know, a multi-year uh, deal, a three-year deal, I do think that there's pros and cons to both sides because, you know, if they do, if they do sign, sign him to a one-year deal or these other one-year deals that, that they have signed, you know, those would be easier to go out and do what they did well two years two years ago now at the trade deadline and, right. and you know offset a contract like that go out and get some more assets just like they did when they got Mauricio Dubon you know so it is kind of an easier contract to trade I know that they do want to um, hopefully get Kevin Gosman in for more than just the one year the one year qualifying deal so I wouldn't even be surprised if they, you know, if, if he's pitching well in the middle of the season, if they continue those contract talks. And I know Gosman really likes pitching here. So there's definitely pros and cons to both sides. But like you did say, though, with having all these guys on one-year deals, you know, that's going to bring a lot with the guy, the younger guys, uh, the guys that are kind of on the verge of making the major leagues, the uh, the Sean Jellies of the world, the, the Tristan Rex right. of the world. And those are the guys that they really have to – find answers for this year to see the, even the Logan Webbs, like, like I brought up to see if they are part of the long-term solution and also the 2022 solution. So there's definitely kind of weighing your options both ways for sure. Yeah. And you bring it, you bring up the prospects. Are, are there like certain prospects that you're keeping an eye on or you're excited about watching, not just in spring, but like in the near future, maybe like three or four prospects that come to mind? Yeah, I mean, honestly, to, to me, it actually does start with those two guys, with Jelly and Tristan Beck, because when we talk about the pitching side, 
Um, there, there are so many short contracts right now in, uh, in this rotation. And obviously jo- uh, this could easily be Johnny Cueto's uh, l- last year um, on this right. team. So they have to find, um, they have to find answers with, you know, are these guys p- going to be part of next, next year? And, you know, they have all this money coming off the books. I know that they're re- that they've always kind of had 2022 circled on their calendars uh, as far as a year where, you know, they could potentially get rid of a Buster Posey contract, a Johnny Cueto contract, a Brandon Belt, a Brandon Crawford that frees up a lot of money, whether it be a free agent for a pitcher, whether it be trading for a, for a big name, all these different things. But, you know, you have to, to know what exactly is a Sean Jelly? You know, is right. he a two, a three, a four, a five? Is, does he need another year of refinement? The same thing with a Tristan Beck. You know, which which was again, I think, a very smart trade when the, when they got him from the Braves. Uh, you know, so it's those guys that are kind of on the cusp of making the rotation that I'll really have I'll be having my eyes on. There's a lot of younger guys, uh, arms wise, like a Camilo Duvall, a Kervin Castro, that can find their way. A Gregory Santos, they can, they can find their ways to the majors as soon as this year, but helping out out of the bullpen and then maybe still developing as starters as well but it's those two guys that are on the cusp of making a rotation that I think that you have to find out what exactly they are this year and what you can project them as going forward right no I, that totally makes sense you know we talked about depth and we talked about how Farhan loves adding depth you know honestly there's one position that I don't really see a lot of depth that and that's you know I know Tommy Lestella can play shortstop and I and I know um excuse me, Donovan Solano can play shortstop if he had to, along with Mauricio Dubon, but there isn't a clear cut, you know, backup to Brandon Crawford's shortstop. Um, Do you think that's because they're pretty confident that Marco Luciano is going to be up sooner rather than later? It's it's so tough to answer because I mean, there's really not a bad thing to say about Marco Luciano right now. I mean, the only bad thing they could say is just how young he is, which is, really a good thing because it just shows how like you know what his potential is and everything i mean they love this guy there there's there's no doubt about that you know i mean right. this is a guy that, that they can see you know i've said this a few times and you know i don't want us making any predictions but as far as what they can see him being is their their ronald acuna their fernando tatis jr all these things right i mean he is so young he sure doesn't look it. I mean, the guy is a, is a man. He hits man home runs right. and everything, you know. And the good thing is that as he develops, as he grows, a lot of people think that he's going to have to become a third baseman. They don't. They, they really do have a lot of confidence in him sticking at shortstop. So I think that he's someone that, look, they're not going to throw him at AAA to, to start the season by any means for how young he is. I think that, that they're going to start him off pr- a pretty – in the in the lower tiers but they are not afraid to bring guys through the uh the pipeline quickly this year i think that they're going to be cautious to to start off with after kind of losing that year of development you know but you know you have to start to hit the ground running because of you losing that year of development as well you know so am i going to sit here and say look he's going to be the 2022 opening day, day day starter i can't say that for sure um, but as far as making his major league debut as early as next year, it wouldn't surprise me by any means necessary, you know? So right. that is kind of the, the spot though, as far as kind of being 
around the infield being a little thin right now, you know, because you do have options behind Crawford. I would say defensively, probably the best one would be Mauricio Dubon, just because that is kind of his most natural position. I think now he considers himself a center fielder, which is great for them. Right. But, you know, he he came up as, as a shortstop, second baseman. Um, Solano is definitely more of a hit first guy uh, before the glove for sure. Uh, and then same with Wilma Flores, who if you had to, you, you could do that. But um, it is kind of – it is a, the thinner position. And to see what Brandon Crawford can do in a 162-game season after really kind of excelling the plate last, uh, last year in a, in a shorter – I think he played somewhere around 54, 57 games last year. That's something to keep an eye on for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we talked about how, at least for me, Scott, the Scott Casimir signing was kind of surprising. But something else that was kind of surprising to me, I don't know how you feel about it, but was to see Trevor God being cut. You know, I realize people have to be cut in order to make room for the 40-man roster. I think this was the move to put Aaron Sanchez on the 40-man roster, but I think mm-hmm. I personally was a little surprised to see Trevor got cut. You know, I, I understand the season that, that he had last year, but up until then, I've, I, I think he had a ERA under three, and he had four saves up until the infamous Oakland A's games and, you know, the, the Anaheim Angels game. But even after that, I've been telling people on the podcast is that even after those instances, it felt like Gabe Kapler still wanted him to be a part of the future. Um, yeah, I mean, look, they they signed him in the, in the offseason. They, right. they brought him back. They gave him a guaranteed contract. So it it was a surprise, you know, and I think you're, you're going to see people on Twitter go, why would it be a surprise? You know, like he blew right. all these games last year and everything. But no, it, from a roster standpoint, from a contract standpoint, it was a surprise a little bit, you know, and uh, I think to be, to be honest with you, um, I commend Kapler for a lot of the things that he did last year. I think Trevor got, he was put in some tough situations last year, right. you know, especially with, with some of those games that you brought up the, obviously the infamous A's one, the angels, he, he, he had some tough blown saves, some one, some blown saves that you would never hope that any close has to go through, you know, but this is someone that at the same time does have electric stuff, someone that, can throw it at the high 90s you know so teams, right. teams are looking for an arm like that so it was a little bit of a surprise um you know i know that, that they said that they hope that that there's a chance that they can get him back and everything but uh it, it surprised me for sure you know it's not the move that i saw happening there's, there's not exactly a guy that i said okay when they add aaron sanchez this is who i would pencil in right right but it also at the same time wasn't exactly trevor got by any means yeah, I think it also speaks to the depth, especially in their young arms that they ha- that they have um, in r- the relief pitching market. You know, Camilo Duvall, I think mm-hmm. that's how you pronounce it, uh, Kervin Castro and Gregory Santos. I feel like they're just so confident in what they have. That was a move that they absolutely could afford. Yeah, there, there's a lot of young arms that they really like coming out of the bullpen for sure. A lot of electric arms and, you know, and uh, getting getting a, Re- a Reyes Maranta back will, will be big for them. It's right. something that they – that they've been challenging um, in the off season. They, uh, you know, they, they told them in the off season, you know, we don't have a set closer, but we don't want to have to go back to a closer by, by committee. And it's, it's, it's one of the players that they said that we think that this job can be yours, but you know, whether it be being in proper shape, whether it be taking care of your arm, whether, and whether it be just having the right mindset, we want you to go after that and compete for that job. So that's, a, that's another arm to remember to, you know, that they obviously missed last year, uh, big time, that they really like, that they really trust. 
So that's another name I, I think for sure that, that we have to remember is coming back to the Giants, you know. So right. um, the bullpen can be a, a, a strength for how much it's been torture in the past. Uh, uh, having some of those young electric arms coming through the system right now and then having a Reyes Maranta back will be huge. Yeah, and, you know, I just remembered this name, but it's a new name again, Sam Long. Like, I can't, uh, you know, I can't stop finding everything on a Sam Long story. on my Twitter yeah. feed. No, so, I mean, can you can you help kind of just illustrate what kind of like what he's been through and why people should start knowing who he is at this point? Yeah, I think he's a Sacramento native, um, you know, went to, went to Sacramento State and kind of has had some ups and downs in his career and, um, you know, even thought about being done with baseball, um, thought about being a firefighter. Um, I know our Alex Palovich wrote a great story about it and everything. And, uh, you know, he he really took advantage of Pitching Ninja um, on, on Twitter. Uh, right. He's someone that, that promoted one of his bullpens. And uh, I think it was a Yankee scout that, that was either, uh, it might've been White Sox, that, that kind of saw that, um, you know, went out and signed him, but then the whole pandemic happened and, and all this stuff. So he kind of loses uh, this year. But, uh, but you know, it's someone where it's, it felt like he should be a giant. It's, it's you know, and I, I think right. the great thing that Farhan has preached since coming to the Giants is recognizing talent in your own backyard. They've, they've done that with some of their draft picks. They did that with a Sam Long. Um, and they said, you know, we can't let this, this guy get away again. We need to, we need to go, uh, go get him. He's been electric in the bullpen. Joey Bart has raved about him. Gabe Kapler has raved about him. Buster Posey's raved about him. So he's someone that can go from not just being a great story, but a contributor. So um, again, I would really uh, uh, look out for that story to really read up on Sam Long. And uh, yeah, I think it's a story to follow. And I really hope that, you know, he can make a contribution to this bullpen because it would just be, it'd be a lot of fun, you know, and, and look, he's, he has an arm that's, that's impressing the right guys right now. If you're impressing two catchers like that and your manager, pretty good start. Yeah, absolutely. And you're a, a thousand percent right when you talk about Farhan. I, I've heard this too. He doesn't want to be beat by other teams when they grab talent in the Giants' own backyard. You know, we saw that Kirk Casale from Walnut Creek, you know, Jake McGee's from San Jose. Kyle Harrison was a young pitcher that they just drafted this past draft. I think he's also from Walnut Creek. So it definitely makes sense for sure. Um, Talk about Lamont Wade Jr. Because I personally can't stop talking about him. He's so exciting uh, for me. I, I keep hearing things that, you know, he has the potential to be a five-tool player. He, I'm also hearing that he has power that hasn't been untapped. I've also hear, heard things from Jalen Davis, who's also a young guy that I'm excited about. Um, but I, I'm sure everyone on the podcast is tired of me personally talking about Lamont Wade Jr. Um, so I just want, I'm curious of your thoughts on him. Yeah, so I think with the, with this Giants um, not farm system, with front office, the thing that's really kind of impressed me, especially this offseason, is that when they look for a trait that they want, that they like, they go out and get it. At the, at the beginning, it felt like a lot of relievers, if you throw a slider, we're going we're gonna to go get you. You know, and if uh, Jake McGee, if you, if you only throw fastballs, but you are one of the very best at getting guys out with a fastball, we're going to get you. You know, right. Tommy LaStella and Lamont Wade Jr. are guys that they find the ways to get on base. And, you know, and, and we know how much Farhan loves, on, you know, on base percentage monsters. And this is what Lamont Wade Jr. has shown in the minor leagues with the potential to tap into power that he just hasn't shown yet, you know. And I think last year when I first saw 
what they were doing with all these kind of different um, hitting coaches. Uh, uh, right. At first, I thought it could be maybe, maybe it'll be too many cooks in the kitchen. You know, you had one guy teaching this, maybe it could be one guy teaching that, and another guy teaching that. You talk, you, you talk to the young guys, you talk to the veterans, and that is not what it was at all. It was a part. It was a. It's been a great system so far. Whether whether it be a certain coach focusing more, um, you know, on video, maybe more on the analytics of it, maybe more on on-field production, all these different things. So you know, you even look at veterans like uh, Brandon Crawford, who came in with a little bit of a different swing last year and and had his best power, his very best power numbers. I think that he had a career high for slugging percentage. So that's why they think that they can go out and get a Lamont Wade Jr. who has shown, you know, the ability to have a great eye to, to, to get on base and all these things in the minors and has a really good swing, but they feel we can find the power there. You know, it right. happened with Mike, what happened with Mike Ostromsky and, you know, they, um, they think that they can do what with Tommy LaStella, who I think had 16 homers two years ago. I think he had something around five last year, right, but he's correct. always had that gap to gap kind of power and always been a, a menace in the box. And now it's, we know that we have the structure within that can bring the best out of you and tap into that power. So, you know, again, it's going out and, and finding those traits and that's what they've really done. And that's why a Lamont Wade Jr. Just, it's someone that they can't stop talking about. I mean, you're not the only one that can't stop, can't stop talking right. about him. I mean, they cannot stop talking about Lamont Wade Jr. They, they love this guy. So, you know, once we get into these game situations here in the spring, I think all eyes will be on him. And hopefully uh, for him, he, he can produce and prove them right. Absolutely. Yeah. So speaking of, you know, keeping all eyes on a certain player, are there like one or two, maybe three players that you personally are excited to watch this ring, or at least three players that you're going to be paying attention to a lot? Yeah. I mean, I think number one, it does, it does start with him for sure. Okay. Uh, I, I think, you know, I think it'd be great to, to, to see if this, if we could go from, you know, projection to, to production for right. sure. Um, you brought up Jalen Davis. Uh, that That's another guy for sure, because it's, it's again, someone that they, they love all the traits. I mean, they love yeah. the, the power package that is, that is within there. And we've seen it in the triple a level where, you know, he can have a 35 home run season, but then could look, could look a little bit lost at times um, in the major leagues in the box. But even when he had, when he struggled uh, at the box in the big leagues for the giants, he can go to right field and throw a absolute seed to home plate. I mean, it's all these, right. these things, whether it be his arm in the outfield, his speed, his power, so if they can put all that together, they know that they can have another hidden gem. Um, I'm trying to think of, of, of one more for you. Uh, I think, you know, honestly, it, it's more the kind of the pitching depth too. That, right, uh, right. You know, and some of that is veteran. Some of that is an Alex Wood who who is older but has bought into the, these sabermetrics. You, you look at him, he's even posting on Twitter about uh, the different ball movement and about different pitching grips. And that's great. And it's something that, that Jake McGee, who's – you know, he's a veteran in the league. I think he's 34, 35 years old, but he wanted to be a giant this off season because he was really interested in the innovative ways that, that they're going with right now uh, with joining a Gabe Kapler staff with, with having a younger pitching coach and an Andrew Bailey. So, you know, right. um, it's even veterans, you know, so there, you know, in the spring we focus so much on the young guys and I love that, you know, and, and you can't read too much into the numbers of the older guys. 
but it's just you know it's 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 more seeing you know if they're doing anything different or li little things like that you know so that's why i'm excited because it's not just the young guys that are that have bought in it's the old guys too and that's the kind of culture that you need to start from the top and bring down to the younger guys for sure absolutely yeah yeah some guys that i'm excited to see i'm definitely eyeing the three starting pitchers that they added. So Descalfani, Alex Wood, and Aaron Sanchez. I'm so mm -hmm. excited to see because they just have so much like overwhelming potential. Cause you know, I talked about how a shared trait that all three of them have is that they're, they're very effective when they're healthy, but they just haven't been healthy recently. So now that they are healthy, I'm just so excited to see what they can tap into, but also I'm excited to see what they can tap into with the resources that the giants have. So I'm definitely keeping my eye out on those three starters, but I'm also kind of excited to, you know, see what Hunter Bishop is up to because something I don't want giants fans to forget is that the giants took Bishop in the first round of the 2019 draft. I personally think he has a lot of potential, especially to become a type of player, a 30 home run, 30 stolen base type of player, but he's definitely going to have to show that, or at least show glimpses of that, during this training camp. And it seems as though Bishop is already making quite the impression, I mean physically that is, at training camp. Alex Dickerson himself came out during a press conference stating that Bishop and Heliot Ramos could be huge problems on the football field, kind of implying that the size that they bring is pretty impressive. And plus, this is another guy that the Giants were able to find in their own backyard. I think Bishop is from San Bruno or San Mateo. He went I think. to Sarah High School. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm pretty sure he went, he went to Sarah High School, you know, the, the same one that that's had Tom Brady, that that's had Barry Bonds, you know, and I think that he was a problem on the football field, you know, for, from what I remember, I think that he could have gone to University of Washington, actually, as a football player, too, out of, um, out, of, uh, out of high school, he opted to go to Arizona State and play baseball, which wound up being the right decision, obviously, for him being a first round draft pick, but that's a, that's a good name to bring up because I think that this is a big year for him and, you know, and it has to be because, right. you know, he's, he hasn't had much time in the minor leagues. Um, it's someone who, even if you look at his Arizona state um, career, he's someone who made a big swing adjustment going into his junior year and it worked wonders. He, I mean, he, he's an athlete, like you say, with, with Alex Dickerson, a, a big guy who, who is fast, who has power, and he really brought his power uh, potential to production his junior year at ASU, but he's going to have some swing and miss for sure. He's definitely uh, uh, going to have swing and miss, you know, so that's why I think him getting a full year this year and game reps is really, really big. He was late to the uh, alternate camp last year because of COVID. Um, right. I know that he, that he, I know he opened eyes in, uh, in the fall instructional league though. So that's, that's great to see. Um, he's he's going to get on base. He's got, he's going to hit bombs, you know, he's going to get walks, but he's also going uh, to rack up strikeouts here and there. So I want to see what exactly, you know, where they see him in the future on defense uh, too, because um, you know, is he, is he a center fielder? Is he a power left fielder? Um, you know, he doesn't have the greatest arm in the world. So probably not a right fielder. Maybe, maybe he does have to be more of a left fielder, but you right. know what? The giants haven't produced a power left-handed bat in the outfield like this in a long time. So if it all clicks, it's all going to come together and, and they're going to need that. I mean, it, it, they haven't had it for so long. What we talk about the streak in left field since Barry Bonds. I mean, it's been, it, it most likely will be, will be the 14th straight year that we've had a different, left fielder in the starting lineup on opening day for the Giants. 
you know, and, and they yeah. hope that whether it be a Hunter Bishop or somebody else, that in the next year or three years that that can change for the long-term future. And it could easily be him. Absolutely. All right, Dalton, again, thank you so much for your time. I have one last thing to say. Something I, I, I try to explain to people is what's happening right now in the Giants organization. And it seems like Farhan Zaidi in the front office has found this perfect balance of rebuilding a team, but also they've been able to do that while also they don't have to, you know, trade away Madison Bumgarner, trade away Brandon Bell, trading away Kevin Gosman. They've found the perfect balance of providing uh, a product on the field that entertains the fans uh, while also at the same time rebuilding the farm system. Do you, would you agree with that? Yeah, 100%. You know, I, I think that, look, you, if you're going to look at the projections right now, you're not going to see them as, as the top two teams in the NL West, and that's understandable. The Dodgers and the Padres are very, very good. But right. this doesn't mean that, that this has to be a team that's going to go out and, and lose every other day. This, this still can be a very productive team in 2021, you know, and, and they, they're playing to their strengths. They're playing to Gabe Kapler's strengths. I, I think that, you know, you could have a, a very good lineup against lefties and a very good lineup against righties, you know, and, and that has to do right. with veterans. That has to do with, with some young guys coming through. But that's knowing that we can compete right now, show our young guys, you know, that – we're not in tank mode. We, we still, we still want to compete. We still want to win whether there's an expanded playoffs or not, but to also know, Hey, your time is coming up because a lot of the, a lot of these older guys, you know, their contracts could, uh, could be running out whether in the next year or two. So it's time for these younger guys to, uh, to, to step up to, you know, to be not just substance, but, you know, get on, on the train to San Francisco, right. show giants fans what they're so excited about. But like you said, there's right now, there's a very good balance uh, farm system, plus being excited to watch games uh, this year, hopefully be at or uh, Oracle Park soon, you know, and be excited again for Major League Baseball to, to be back. I can't believe that that's a thing that I'm saying right now. Uh, right, it, it right. Just, it, it almost doesn't feel real. But I think, you know, that's the, the exact right word to use, like you said, is the word balance, because they have found, found that right kind of balance. And I think that that's kind of the formula that they want to see going forward for sure. All right, Dalton, thank you so much, man. Again, I, you know, everything you've said here, I, I'm definitely blessed that you were able to come on the show and just kind of shoot, shoot the talk with me basically. Yeah. Uh, and I know everyone who listens to the say, Hey podcast definitely appreciates appreciates it as well. And again, congratulations. You told me that uh, you're planning your wedding right now. Uh, yeah, so I am. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, hey, fingers crossed for, for late July. You know, <laughs> I, I, you know, obviously for any listener, I hope everyone's being safe and healthy. You Correct. know, I know it's, uh, it's been a long year, you know, but hey, baseball is almost back. Stay safe, stay healthy. And again, thanks for having me on. It was a lot of fun for sure. Of course. All right. Thanks again, Dalton. Thank you. All right, everybody. That is going to be all for today's show of the Say Hey podcast. Thank you so much for stopping by, especially if this was your first time listening to the show. Again, everybody, you can find the Say Hey podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You can also leave a rating and a review if you feel so inclined. But also, everyone, before you leave, be sure to follow Dalton on Twitter at DaltonJ underscore Johnson. You definitely will not regret it because along with being great at his job, Dalton also is a great guy. So thank you so much, Dalton, for being generous with your time to come on the show. And thank you, listeners, for coming back and listening to the podcast. Again, your support is overwhelming. All right, everybody, keep staying safe out there, keep being smart, but most importantly, 
Go Giants.